I speak to you in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Again from Paul's letter to the Philippians. If anyone has reason to be confident of the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, under the law, blameless. Yet, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as a loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in my death. I have been involved in theological education now for decades. I am sure that is not particularly interesting to most people. In fact, I'm certain of it. Nothing ends a casual conversation like being forced to tell people that that's your day job. But what Christians don't realize is how much of what goes on in theological education shapes and characterizes what they experience in church. After three or four years of conversation of the kind that goes on in seminaries, students tend to be deeply shaped by the experience, and those are the people who end up in the pulpits of our churches across the country. What people don't realize also is that theological education can also be driven by trends. Over the time that I've been at this, various times along the way, seminaries have been focused on single themes, prophetic preaching, insights borrowed from psychology and family systems, leadership styles, post-colonial studies and perspectives, and now critical race theory. So in a year when we would like to return our experience of 2020 for a refund, it's not surprising to find that churches are borrowing on the latest material from the seminaries in order to chart a way forward. And with critical race theory, what we have come to find along with them are all the attendant assumptions that accommodate those theories. Writers on the subject differ, of course, and I don't want to suggest that they are all cut out of the same mold. But there are some fairly common claims made. The assumption that race drives human relationships to the exclusion of almost everything else. The conviction that racism is an inherited trait traceable to a history of exploitation. The implication that some people are necessarily perpetrators and others are inevitably victims. The notion that any progress that we have made historically in healing racial relationships were in fact a covert effort to reinforce racist advantages. And the implication that there is no progress or freedom to be had 
from this all-consuming failure. Missing from this alternative account of who we are, what we need, how we change, and what we can hope for is any reference to Christ. And thanks to trends in theological education, more often than not, references like the one in Paul's letter to Christ, the power of the resurrection, and the suffering of Christ seem more like an afterthought in many cases, even in what the church has to say. Reading the letter to the Philippians, it isn't hard to imagine what Paul would have made of this tendency. As different as the problems were in Philippi, the church there was facing challenges that bear on our own. They were overwhelmed by the tensions of living in the Roman Empire, they struggled to be faithful citizens of Christ's kingdom, particularly because so much of their daily life was enmeshed in the world of the Caesars. Their culture offered an alternative account of who they were and what they needed. And being Gentile Christians, they were also being pushed by the theological leaders of their day to embrace the law as an alternative way to thinking about their faith. Noting that he has tried that path and is being that is being recommended to them and that his credentials are in that regard are comparable, even superior, Paul cuts to the issue in terms of what is being taught in what we might call the pulpits of Philippi. And he offers one and only one alternative to what they are hearing a knowledge of Christ, the power of the resurrection, and solidarity with Christ's suffering. According to Paul, it is Christ and only in Christ that we find out who we are, what we need, and how we can change. And pairing the power of the resurrection with participation in Christ's suffering, in a handful of words, Paul also paints a picture of what we can hope for. The path forward entails suffering, to be sure, but if our struggles echo those of Jesus, that struggle will not be one of stoic resignation. It will be a path that leads to participation in Christ's resurrection. The Philippians had to hear those as echoes of their baptismal vows, but it also must have been clear from what Paul said that he felt that it wasn't just pretty poetry. It is a path, a pattern, a paradigm for the Christian's life and for Christ's church. It is not hard to imagine why Paul's message was a tough sell to them and why it's a tough sell now. Without ignoring the particularity of our own sins, it puts the whole of the human race on notice. We are all victims of the desire to be our own gods, we all need to be saved from ourselves. It offers hope, but it is hope that entails lifelong attention to Christ, careful listening to what Christ wants for us to be sure, but careful listening to what Christ wants for all of us as well. We cannot expect the one without the other. And the path entails participating in Christ's suffering. It's not an attractive picture for those who were hoping 
to get out of a free, to get out of 2020 free jail card. It's not an attractive path for people who were hoping to identify groups of sinners and saints who hope to identify the one and the only sin that holds them captive. It's not an attractive pattern for people who thought that they could install themselves as gatekeepers of a new creed or religion, or for people who thought that healing the ruptures in our relationship with God and with one another once was a once and done kind of thing. It's not, either, the kind of life that can be lived by getting the right kind of legislation in place or casting a vote for the right kind of president. It's bad news for people who think that Christian life is a vast social experiment in telling what other people should do, but it's also bad news for people who believe that the gospel can be spiritualized and make it all a purely interior project of some kind that manages to leave those who suffer at a careful arm's length. So, while we may learn from contemporary study of race relations and other conversations, they will never work as a substitute for vulnerability to the call of Christ on our lives. Nor will such practice and steady, careful, compassionate attention to the call of Christ on our lives that must change our relationships with one another. One ideology cannot cure the ills of another ideology. Life in Christ and life lived out in the power of the resurrection leaves us endlessly vulnerable to the claims of Christ on all of us, which is why Paul concludes that every other gift of life is by comparison just trash from the street. And only then can we live in a space where we can continue the power and journey of healing. So let us pray. Jesus, Lord and Savior, let your love grow in us, a love that only you can give, a love that leads back to you, a love enduring and strong, offering mercy and forgiveness, offering hope and restoration born of devotion to you, to your purposes, in others and in ourselves, that in love, in its power and strength, we might be led out into the world, into places marked by loss, into places marked by grief, into places marked by loneliness, into places marked by injustice, that in loving others, together we might find you, loved by you, and as a result, together, find peace. Amen.